Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11 says this right here. When he had spoken these things, we turn the lights up. When, when he had spoken these things, while they looked up, he was taken up, and a cloud received him from their sight. While they looked intently toward heaven as he ascended, suddenly two men stood by them in white garments. These were angels. They said, men of, men, men of Galilee, why stand looking toward heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you to heaven will come in like manner as you saw him go. Now, what I said earlier, I want us to continue to remember that. Can't take my eyes off Jesus. Can't take my eyes off him. Now, when we, when we read this scripture in, in Acts chapter 1, and it says that in the same manner that he, was, he left here, he's going to come one day. Now, I know when you saw the video, you go, boy, that is an old video. That was from 1972. So, yes, that's, an old, that's older than I am. So that was it's over 40 years old, that video was. And sometimes we look and we see these things, and, and we've been in church all our life, and we've heard that Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, and he hasn't come yet. And we begin to wonder, is he ever going to come? As a matter of fact, the world would tell us all the time that, well, I, how can you believe in a Jesus? He said he was coming back, and he hasn't come back yet. And I want to examine a few things this morning about that very fact. And the title of the message this morning is A Thief in the Night, and we're going to discuss that. It's been over 2,000 years since Jesus stood up there and he ascended into heaven, and the disciples saw him ascend into heaven. And as Christ followers, people who believe in the return of Christ, we are going to be bombarded by demonic forces. And those demonic forces sometimes are people that were around that are going to question our faith because Jesus hasn't returned. And as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of other things that happen in our lives. We're going to talk about that throughout the message this morning because Jesus hasn't returned yet and we need to think about it. So what should we expect? So the disciples are standing there and Jesus ascended into heaven. What should we expect? And Jesus told us in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, in my Father's house are many mansions or many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So, what should we expect? We should expect that Jesus is preparing a place for us. See, here's the, uh, the, the understanding of this scripture that we need to understand. Is in the Jewish tradition, it was that the fathers would have sons, and the sons would get married, and the fathers would build onto their house to accommodate, to accommodate the growing family. So when we, when we see this scripture and he says, in my father's place are many dwelling places, a lot of mansions, I think the King James Version uses mansions, but there are dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you. If this wasn't true, I would have told you. So we go, well, why is Jesus, why has Jesus not returned yet? 
He is preparing a place for us. Do you realize if Jesus had returned 200 years ago, you wouldn't be in heaven? You, wouldn't, you didn't even exist 200 years ago. The Lord wants as many people as possible to be in his heaven with him, to have that relationship with him. That's why he created us. He didn't create us to die. You get that? He didn't create us to die. He created us to live. I mean, his hope, what he wanted in the Garden of Eden is to see people live forever and ever and have relationship, and there would have been billions and billions and billions of people who lived forever and had a relationship with him. It wasn't until after the flood that he actually put a date on how long you can live. You get that? It was after the flood that he said, you have a certain amount of days, and that's it, because he enjoys having a relationship. Remember what I've said earlier this year and what I continue to say, God doesn't need you, God wants you. You need to remember that this year, God wants you. He doesn't need you. He has gone to prepare a place for you. And every person that you lead to Christ, every person that you speak to about Christ, Neil Connie and I were speaking yesterday, and sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we get a little down because we don't see salvation immediately. We minister to people and minister to people, but we don't see it. But we don't need to do it, look at it that way. We need to be encouraged because the Scripture says that one of us plants the seed and one of us waters the seed, and God gives the increase. I was telling Connie, I says, one day you're going you're gonna to hear from or you're going to, maybe when you get to heaven that you hear this, but the, the children that she touches on a daily basis in her practice, that they're going to say it was the feeling in this what I felt when I was around Miss Connie, that I wanted to know more about that. And I was constantly searching, and I found it one day. Maybe it's at Unlimited Church they find it. Maybe it's at another church that they find it. But one day, they are looking and they're seeking because they felt something. And when it comes to you and leading people to Christ and ministering to people about Christ, maybe it's on a prayer walk that you've prayed with them one time, you don't know the effect that it has had on that person but Jesus has not returned because he is preparing a place for all those who have been brought to him and who have come to him in salvation. So the question still arises. Because as we, as we saw the video, as we saw the video, Jesus had returned. So the question arises, when will Jesus come back? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult thing because we keep on looking at things that are going on around. And if you watched the four-part series of the, the, the movie that you just saw, there was four movies that was made uh, by Mark uh, Five Pictures there, Mark Four Pictures. Uh, if you watched those, you would see that the mark of the beast was barcodes. Now today we go, I don't know if people are going to have barcodes on their hand and on their forehead. But back then, that was something that looked at. People looked at and go, oh, this could be the mark of the beast. If you go back even farther, there are other things that, that was in Christendom that people looked at that maybe this is going to be the mark of the beast that we, that we hear about today. It could be something different. And I'm not going to get into to end-time prophecy and what all this entails in the, tri- the tribulation, okay? Because I want to focus on the return of Jesus. But what I want to say is things do change. The way we see things have changed, but one thing remains the same. Jesus is coming back. But when will Jesus come back? 
Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 7, here's what he tells us. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. So, so when will Jesus come back? Only God knows. Only God knows. It's not for us to know. It's, for not, it's not for us to fret about or worry about. It's for us to say, God knows, and what am I doing with the time that God has given me until he comes back? You see, if you look at, at people 100 years ago, if they would have sat around and they would have said, you know what, God's, I think, man, look how bad it's getting. God's coming back in 10 years. I don't have to do a whole lot. I just need to keep my nose clean, and I just need to, I just need to do what I need to do. You wouldn't have the churches we have in the United States. If people were concerned about that 100 years ago in, in early 1900, we wouldn't have had the Zusa Street Revival. But what were people saying? They were saying, no, until God comes back, we're going to occupy, and we're going to focus on seeing God's kingdom on earth now. We don't have to wait for God's kingdom. We can see it today. We can focus on what God has for this earth today and see amazing and awesome things happen. Now, how would Jesus come back? Well, it tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, he says, For the Lord himself, Jesus, will descend from heaven. Remember, he ascended. He will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we, so we shall be forever with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So number one, how will Jesus come back? He's going to come back like a thief in the night. He's going to come back so instantly, so quickly, that you're not even going to know what just happened. He says, Matthew chapter uh, 24, verse 42 through 44, here's what he said. So you too must keep watch for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. If you knew when somebody was gonna break into your house, you'd be there to stop him from doing it, right? We cannot sit here and know when Jesus is coming back, but we must be ready for when he comes back because he's gonna come back like a thief in the night. He doesn't come back announced. He doesn't say, I'll tell you what, in a week I'm gonna be there, get ready. I want everybody to get ready now. You know, people will say all the time, I have time to get ready. I have time. I'm 20 years old. You know, you can die when you're 20 years old. But 20 can turn into 40, 40 can turn into 60, 60 can turn into 80, 80 can turn into 100. Eventually, you're going to die, but you don't know when you're going to die. You don't know, so that means we have to be ready. But we don't just want to be ready just so that we can make it to heaven. That's great. It's, it's great that we understand that there is no warning, but there is more to it than that. Like I said earlier, the Zusa Street Revival would never have happened if those that were there had said, well, we're just going to wait for the kingdom of God when we get there. We're not going to worry about it right now. But instead, they says, we want more. We want all that Jesus has for us. We want all that the Lord has for us. So that brings us to the question, what do we do until Jesus comes? 
Matthew 24, 45 through 51 says, a faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. Pause. So a faithful, sensible servant is one that the master can give responsibility to. Are you that servant today? If the master returns, will he say you have done a good job and here's your reward? He said, I tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all he owns, but what if the servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk? The master will return unannounced and unexpected and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites in that place where uh, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the question is, what do we do until he comes? Number one, we must be faithful. You know, that's, we've sung that song, I want to be found faithful. I want to be found ready. I want to be found faithful. We must be faithful. Now, what is faithful today? What is faithful? Well, let's put it in the, in the context of a husband and a wife, because we are the bridegroom of Christ. We are the bride of Christ, excuse me. He's the bridegroom. We are the bride of Christ. So let's put it in the context of a man and a wife, a husband and a wife. When we say faithful, what does that mean? That means that their eyes are fixed on each other, not on somebody else. It means that their hearts are on each other, not on somebody else, that they're not giving themselves away to somebody else, but instead they're saving themselves for each other. You don't want to go down the aisle and say, you know, the woman says, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I've had, you know, multiple husbands and multiple boyfriends, and I've been promiscuous, and I've done this, that. You don't hear that. No. What, what does that husband want to hear? That husband wants to hear, I've been saving myself. I've been waiting for you. I have given my heart to you. I have given my focus to you. As a matter of fact, with my, my daughters, one of the things we teach is, is we, we, we're not really into dating. And they're not, they're the oldest one, you know, she's only 14, almost 15. But it's not time yet. And she said yesterday, ah, it's, it's, that's a long ways away. But what do we teach them? Don't give your heart, don't, don't rip your heart out and give it to somebody else. Wait until God sends you the right person, then give your heart to them. See, when we do that, when, when we start giving our heart to other people, then we, there's, there's parts that get left behind. And the Lord says, hey, I want your whole heart. I want your whole being for me. As you're waiting, don't, don't sit there and say, well, he, he hasn't come back yet. But what people are doing is, well, you know, he hasn't come back yet. I can go get a little drunk tonight. I can go party. I can go do this. I can go do something else. I can sin a little bit because I got time. Well, the Lord isn't looking for somebody who says, I've got time to get right. He's looking for people who says, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. I'm overwhelmed by your love, Lord. I can't take my eyes off you, Jesus. I can't take my eyes. I don't want to give myself to anybody else but to you, Jesus. I love you that much. James 5, 7 through 8 tells us, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Notice this is a second time. He says, encourage or take courage. 
be ready. Understand that no matter what you're going through, the, the coming of the Lord is near. Be patient. Be patient. That's the second thing that we're supposed to do. First, be faithful. Second, we should be patient. What do we do until he comes? Be patient. Wait. That's the hardest thing to do in our culture because everything's fast, right? McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, you know, I don't think anything's faster than Chick-fil-A because they stand out there and take your order before you even get to the window to make sure it's fast, right? Everything is fast. And then if we don't get it within our three minutes, we're upset. What took you so long? Why didn't you get it here? But the Lord says, be patient. Sometimes that patience is just waiting on him like we were this morning. I don't want to drag out a worship service, a, a, a music, the music portion of our service. I want to be patient, though, and I want to be ready for him to move in your life. I want to listen to what God has to say. If Christy has something to say from the Lord or if somebody else was to speak for the Lord, I want to be able to listen to that. I want to be patient. You see, the Lord is coming back. He is going to return. But the question is, are we actually ready for his return? We say, well, I'm saved. I know Jesus. Well, there's more to it than that. Remember what he says about being faithful? He said that a faithful servant, what did he say up there, is one who the master can give responsibility of managing the whole household. Can he give you that responsibility? Are you taking that responsibility on you today? Are you being faithful in that? See, also, when we talk about being patient, when he wrote that, when James wrote that, that was 20 years approximately after Jesus had left. So if he's telling them just 20 years later, hang on, be patient. 2,000 years later, James is saying the same thing. Just be patient and be faithful. Be faithful. Are you living this morning like Jesus could return at any moment? Is that the way you're living your life? Are you saying... Jesus could return today. You see, when it comes to worship, for instance, when it comes to us lifting our hands and praising him on a Sunday morning, do we come in here going, Jesus could walk through that door right this second? Because that's technically what would happen. Just like that, we're in the presence of Jesus. And do we want to be found? We say, man, you, yeah, I was at church this morning. I wasn't ready to worship yet. I wasn't ready to praise I wasn't ready to, I wasn't even ready to talk to Jesus yet this morning. You know, Jesus should be the first person in our mind when we wake up in the morning. When we say, I can't take my eyes off you. Husbands and wives, you remember when you first met? Remember when you were first in love and you couldn't stop looking at that person? You couldn't stop looking and you're like, oh man, you're so pretty. You know, you women are like, oh honey, you're so handsome. Yeah, you know. Could take your, can't take your. Jesus the same way. Are we taking our eyes off of him? Or are we keeping our focus on him? When we wake up in the morning is the first thing. Before we even roll out of bed, shouldn't we be saying, Jesus, I love you, and I want this day to go for you today? Is that what we're doing? Are we, are we, are we encouraging ourselves going, Jesus, maybe today will be the day that you come back. Oh, man, this would be so exciting, Lord. And since it's a day that maybe you're going to come back, maybe I could talk to somebody about you today. Maybe I can pray for somebody. Maybe I can smile for somebody. Maybe I can encourage somebody today because I want them to see Jesus living in me because you may come back today. When you're thinking, uh, when you're speaking throughout the day, when you're speaking about things, what are you thinking about? Are you being faithful in your speech Every day going, man, Jesus could return today. 
How would we live if we started going, man, Jesus could return today. Jesus could return today. What about, what makes you drive? You know, there, there's a, everybody talks about your purpose, your purpose. I've got one purpose. You have one purpose. And your purpose is to live for God and to love God because he first loved us. That's what he says. I love you because you first loved me because you died on a cross. You were hung up on a tree. That's why I love you. What is your purpose? If you think your purpose is to go to work, if you think your purpose is to, to work in some kind of a practice or, or what, some kind of a job, no, your purpose is to glorify and honor him. And how that works out throughout the day, if you've given it to him, maybe you're like sex. Maybe you're flying all over the country sometimes. And, but the purpose is, Sax's purpose is to glorify God in everything that he does, to worship God in everything that he does, to show Jesus in everything that he does. You see, if we took that approach, instead of the approach where we're going to show Jesus when we walk in church on Sunday morning, but instead our approach is we're showing Jesus in everything that I do because I am a child of God and people see that. Chloe was asked a question by one of her customers the other day, uh, what are you? And she said, wasn't it what are you? Was that the question? Who are you? Who are you was the question. So she gave the answer. He, he goes, the guy says, well, I'm a child of God, and you are too. What a, what a great idea, right? Who are you? I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. What does that mean to us? It means so much. When we want to look into what is a child of God, what does it mean? Oh, my goodness, it just opens up an expanse, expansive amount of things that we can do and we can, we can become because we're a child of God. We don't have to sit back and say, well, this is as far as I can go. But instead, it's I'm a child of God. When Connie is working with her patients, she's a child of God, and she's doing and glorifying God in her abilities to touch these children. In your job, what are you saying? I'm a child of God, and so therefore I'm helping people out. You know, in my job, it's not ideal, but what I do say is, you know what? The Lord is using me to help the guy that I work for. I'm a contractor. But the Lord is using me to help him build his business. The Lord is using me to, to be a light to him, and he's a Christian, but just to be another light to him and just glorify him. The Lord is using me every time I walk into one of these stores to pick up products, to move it somewhere else, using me to smile and say hi to somebody and build a relationship with somebody and tell them maybe just a little bit about Jesus. I don't talk about so much about being a pastor unless somebody else. I just want to talk about Jesus. It's not about my title here, here on earth. It's about who I am. I'm a child of God. So why do you get out of bed in the morning? Do you get out of bed because you've got a job to do, or do you get out of bed because you have a purpose, and your purpose is to glorify God before he ever returns? What is the purpose behind your life? That's what you need to ask yourself today. What's the purpose behind my life? Because Jesus is going to come back, the Bible says, like a thief in the night. Nobody's going to know it when it happens. The Bible says, this is how fast, it says in the twinkling of an eye. See, a lot of people think that means a blink of an eye. No, it means how fast light refracts off of your eye. That, I'm faster than I can snap my fingers. That's how quick it's going to happen. Now, I want to say this. 
there is going to be a time of tribulation after Jesus returns and takes us. We're going to meet him in the air. That's what the scripture says, 1 Thessalonians, that we're going to meet him in the air. And there's going to be a time of great tribulation. The Bible calls it the wrath of God. As Christians, we get to not have to go through the wrath of God. If you, for, for those of you, those of you friends who say, well, I, you know what? I've had people say this. Well, you're in the tribulation. I'll get right with God. I don't want to be here during that time. Tribulation like that has never been seen on this earth will happen during that time because God's wrath is going to be poured out on this earth. God's wrath is going to be poured out on this earth. So we want to be prepared before that. But that is our blessed hope that Jesus is returning. Now, after he returns and after the great tribulation, Jesus will come back. And I want to get into the end time prophecy. But Jesus will return. He will come back and he will actually stand on the Mount of Olives, the Bible says. He will return to earth, physically to earth. But the great thing for us is we get to go up with him long before that. And notice what the scripture said a minute ago, that the dead in Christ will rise first. It's not because they're better than us. It's because they're six feet under. They just need to catch up with us, okay? So the dead in Christ are going to come up, and then we who are alive and remain, remain, uh, those who have remained faithful will be caught up with him in the air. And we need to rejoice, and we need to rejoice and encourage each other in that. Jesus is coming. What if we started going around to each other when we see each other and we say, oh, you know, good morning, good morning. Jesus is coming. How exciting is that? We don't need to forget that because our purpose is to honor him and be faithful and be patient until he returns.